Welcome to Live, Leadership, Innovation, Ventures, and Entrepreneurship, a podcast that showcases the talents, skills, and abilities of UT faculty, staff, and students. I'm your host, Brandon Jones, Associate Director for Student Learning and Development in Housing and Dining, and we're excited to have you listening to us. Good morning, Dr. Sobers. How are you this morning? I am well, thank you. Well, one of the things I want to do this morning uh, while we have you on the podcast is give you an opportunity to tell us about your new book uh, where you've got a chapter featured in The Footprint of Success, uh, Stories of Impact from Leaders and Entrepreneurs. And your chapter is called Advancing to Leadership as a Person of Color. And so I want to give you an opportunity to kind of tell us a little bit more uh, about this book and the chapter that you contributed in this book. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, This is definitely a time where opportunity struck and I hadn't intended to be a part of a co-author book. Uh, I was actually working on my solo book project called The Resilience Tree. And then my publisher reached out and said, you know, I'm really liking the content that you're providing. uh, And I think this might be a good opportunity for you to collaborate with some others, other leaders and other entrepreneurs. And I hadn't really used that word to describe myself before. Entrepreneur, no, leader, uh, for sure. Um, So that was a good um, opportunity for me to do some self-reflection, which I love and highly recommend. Um, Even if it's not a journal, specifically writing, but something like this, where it's a verbal journaling is what I I like to call that now um, for people with different learning styles. It was a good opportunity for for me to do some reflection. And what my chapter focuses on really is my experience in the workplace as a person of color in predominantly white institutions. Uh, And I've worked at six institutions now within student affairs and uh, and have experienced some things. <laughs> and also uh, I did my research and for my doctorate, specifically looking at black women who were deans and vice presidents. And I wanted to stay on a positive psychology note. And so I didn't only say to their, a deficit model of what are they experiencing? What are all the negative things? But I really, tried to tap into what was it that kept them resilient? What was it that kept them in the field in spite of all that they were experiencing? And a lot of my participants were in the field for 10 or more years. And myself, I've been in, in the field for 16 years. And so where, where other people you know, drop off, burn out, um, all of those things, what keeps us sustaining. And so really my chapter is about what it means to be a token in certain environments and how one could determine when they were a token, because I think it's important to know the language, know that you're not alone, know that you're not crazy, um, that you're not making this stuff up and others are experiencing something similar. Um, And so having that framework and then also having the framework to, okay, what do I do about it? How do I, how do I use what's already in me and around me to help me sustain and continue to strive and meet my potential? And so that, that's really what I always try to do, but for sure what the, what the chapter is talking about. So earlier you mentioned that um, opportunity struck when it came to the writing of your chapter in in this book. And so talk to us about making the most of opportunities like that, because a lot of our listeners are, are students and some of our listeners are faculty at the university. And then there's parents of students that are listening to this. So our audience is wide ranging. So talk to us about making the most of opportunities like the one you got to, um, you know, co-author a book. Yeah, a lot of times we go into things thinking that we know how it's gonna go. And um, I think the best thing that we can do 
is stay open, open-minded, open to like listening to not only the people around us, but listening to the reverberations of the environment. And by that, I mean, um, so an example, a lot of times students come to campus and they're like, I'm gonna major in this. I already know what my path is. I have everything figured out. I'm gonna do this, 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 and this. It's gonna lead here we're good. And then they stay tunnel vision, like no blinders up uh, to other things that could be influencing or informing what they could be doing that they hadn't envisioned yet. Um, And so it's not to say don't have a plan. It's not to say don't have a strategy. Do that. And also recognize that things could be coming in um, in forms and shapes and ways that you hadn't thought of. When So I was an econ major, dance minor. Um, I hadn't intended to minor in dance. I just was taking dance classes because that was my way of having an outlet uh, and something that I had been used to doing when I, when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I got to my junior year, my faculty said to me, you know, you've been taking these classes, you've been accumulating all these credits. If you just take three more one credit classes, you'll have a minor. And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, like that, that sounds good. Um, and those three classes changed my life. Um, Minoring, minoring in dance changed my life. One class in particular was on lighting design uh, for the theater because I, I was really involved in the theater production. I worked mm-hmm. crew backstage at the Performing Arts Center. Uh, and then that job or that course connected me with a faculty member who when I was graduating and just oh, I don't know what job I want um, or where to look or what to do. That faculty member was like, oh, well, there's this internship opportunity at New Jersey Shakespeare Festival because I grew up in New York uh, City. So I was going to go back home. He was like, hey, there's this opportunity for you to be an assistant electrician if you're interested. And if I had been like, no, I'm an economist and I'm only looking for corporate jobs and da, 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 like I would have, I would have self-sabotaged and, you know, and who knows what my trajectory would have been. But so I took that opportunity. I was like, you know, it's interesting to me. Um, and so I was able to do, you know, box office work and, um, and, and work as an assistant electrician on three shows. And one of the lessons that I took away is that's not the job for me. And that's an important lesson to learn as well. Yes, uh, so when things don't work, that's also clues and cues to what what's next. And so I think that was an important lesson for me to learn and not be curious and wonder what if I did it. I did it. I was all in. I finished my commitment there. And I learned that theater and the, especially during the uh, run of um, Hamlet, <laughs> which is very long, uh, that the the day in and day out really was uh, too um, repetitive for me. And I really needed a job that was constantly learning and growing and moving and changing. And that was an important lesson that I could then, you know, use the next job opportunity that I had and to really have that as a filter. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I say all that to say, be open to opportunities, listening to the environment. So that professor coming in and also what things I liked or didn't like, what brought me satisfaction and motivation. Those are all things that are going to keep you open to what could be. Then later in my career, so fast forward, maybe 10 years after my master's, after my first two um, full-time jobs, I ended up being the director of student activities at an institution where I, in that portfolio, 
was to supervise the students who did lighting and audio and other, and I, I was able to be a better candidate for that position because of that random experience and experience in undergrad that I could say, Hey, I knew enough to, you know, talk the technology uh, language to those who were supervising them and Mm -hmm. then understand what where the students were and how to make that program grow. Um, And so we were able to, you know, be doing the sound and lighting for commencement and orientation. And these were students doing it, not a professional company. And people were calling on us to do all of that thing. And not to say that I trained, like I had a a part-time person that did the tech, but I think that experience definitely helped me to be better suited for, to be able to take on that role. So you just never know where, um, one particular skill set or competency or just experience can have an impact in your life and come back and help you out. So just, you know, listen to, to yourself and mm-hmm. listen to the environment to, to really know where some of those opportunities make sense for now. I think that's, I think that's fantastic advice. I heard a lot of things in there, but the one that stands out the most to me, it sounds, at least it sounds like to me, what you're saying is, is that this pathway to success that a lot of us, especially high achieving students like the ones that we have, have, that we have the pleasure of working with at UT, it sounds to me like you're saying that the pathway to success is not this linear thing that we've, that we've imagined it to be. There's not the major in this large money-making discipline because it generates revenue, graduate, get the job, be successful. It sounds to me like there's more than one way to arrive at the point that you need to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. Yes. There's more than one way. And also recognizing that one decision doesn't define the rest of your life. Say that louder for those students who are at home right now during the shelter in place orders, trying to convince parents that changing their major to something that is more fulfilling, even though it may not be on the surface, at least more revenue generating. Say that louder for those folks, because I've I've lost count of the number of students that I've sat with at UT and leadership and other experiences where they said like it was such a it's such a hard thing to convince their parents to let them pursue their area of um, interest rather than the area of revenue generation. Right. So this is something that I tell my mentees, and maybe this can help your listeners, is undergrad is really about gaining a certain skill set. What separates someone with an undergraduate degree versus someone who didn't, isn't necessarily tied to their major. The major is just there to hold your interests. But essentially what you're learning to do is think, (laughs) synthesize information, know how to go out and research and get different viewpoints, and then learn how to write, how to create and construct an argument or a a critical thought based on other people's research. So how to think, how to write, and how to present. Knowing how to get up in front of someone and say what you're, you know, needing to say or wanting to say at that moment, how to organize those those thoughts, Mm -hmm. how to use the technology and the resources around us to do that. And then lastly, how to communicate across culture and diversity and so that te- that teamwork that you're doing in every class that you know discussion that you're doing that navigating of working with different people from different backgrounds different authority levels different power dynamics those are really the core things that that you're learning in an undergrad no matter what major you're in and so mm-hmm. The degree is really about that skill set. The major, I believe, is there so that you're at least interested in the topic that helps you get to those skills. 
I love it. I love it. And um, and I believe that college is this amazing time in your life where you can explore without hopefully judgment um, or limit of other things. So for me, I really, I chose my economic major, one, because my advisor said that everyone else was doing management and I could basically do the same thing with economics. So there was that. Um, and so that that kind of follows along with, with what I just said as well, but also because it had um, a smaller number of required classes, which allowed me to take anthropology classes and engineering classes, civil engineering. I studied abroad uh, two times. And I went to Barbados, my hometown, uh, where oh, I was born. Yes. Um, <laughs> And, and I studied abroad in London and, and did civil engineering and anthropology there. I did photography and, um, you know, as I said, dance and all of those things. And so that really opened my eye and my world and allowed mm -hmm. me to use all of that information in crafting my viewpoint. And so mm -hmm. that's so, so, so important. So parents, if you're listening, <laughs> Let them change their major. It's going right. to be. A Let them explore, right? That might be the title of this episode. Let them explore. I'm, I'm going to, the phenomenologist in me is letting that, letting that uh -huh. marinate for just a quick second. Because yeah. <laughs> so many people, I've, I've worked in a couple different industries now, um, having moved to California and worked in post-production and film after mm -hmm. working in theater, and then in student affairs and different functional areas. And I had an econ major. And so you would think like, how do, how do you get there? One, I thought economics, there's always money in every business. And so mm -hmm. I was able to kind of um, articulate that that way. But in every field, there's people of all different majors because what's important is once you get that job, they will train you to do that specific thing that they mm -hmm. need you or want you to do. Um, so I don't know that you have to worry about that too, too much. Maybe when you get to the masters, right, right. that's the major, you're really learning to get some mastery of a specific thing. Mm -hmm. I don't want to lose one of your thoughts that you said earlier, um, because you, because you were, you neatly captured why exploration is so important. And I, I don't want to lose that because that's, this is going to tie into the remaining questions uh, that I have for you. But one thing I wanted to ask you is, uh, in light of everything you just said about the importance of exploration, the importance of um, not focusing on just one decision, uh, the importance of, you know, trying different things. How much of that do you feel like is going to change, be modified or altered? Uh, all the same words. So uh, <laughs> how, how much of that? How, how do you feel that's going to be different? Uh, in light of what we're experiencing right now during this uh, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic? How much of that is going to need to shift uh, in the landscape of higher education and education in general? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Talk about putting me on the spot. Well, I think if anything, it's going to need to happen even more. Okay. I think are realizing interdisciplinary work, collaboration, learning from every opportunity, um, you know, because people are put in a place where they're around, if, if I'm a student and now I'm, a, I'm around my siblings or mom and dad and what they're going through and having that inform their education rather than being away mm -hmm. um, and, and solely focused on that. Whereas, you know, that's definitely helpful um, and less stressful maybe, um, but knowing how to learn from anything that comes at you and how to survive and sustain and continue forth no matter what's coming. I think the biggest lesson that we're learning now is how to live in uncertainty and how to, mm. live, you know, and how to live when I don't know the answer. How do I focus on the present? I think that's what we're learning right now. Um, how do I not, you know, dwell too much on the past, listen and, and gain from the past? How do I not try to project too far into the future? Mm -hmm. But how do I live 
right now with what where I am with what I'm doing. And in particular for our students, when I talk about making decisions and thinking about what's the next step, sometimes when they think about the next step, their fear of how that next step will domino effect for the trajectory yes, of their life yes, makes yes. stop. And so right now I'm saying, just focus on that one domino. Um, you maybe look a little far out, but be in the moment, uh, live um, what carpe diem, like live for today uh, um, and like ease the day and, and be able to, in hindsight, like I was able to do with my um, uh, electrician and lighting design work, in hindsight, you'll be able to see how those dominoes lined up. But there's a little bit of taking risk, of uh, leaning into discomfort. Where, where, does, where does learning happen when we're challenged and we're in the midst of it? Yes. Being to be okay. So having our uh, affirmations and our self-thoughts be able to say, I'm going to be okay. Um, I'm going to get through this. I can do this. Mm -hmm. uh, and believing in yourself rather than letting the other side of your self-taught thoughts come in and say, what are you doing? Um, why are you doing that? Like, this is just going to end up bad. Um, and you're just going to end up home and uh, not at work. And then you question, okay, let's go there. What if I did go home and I ended up without a job? What do I do then? You know, and how does that look rather than fearing it and trying to avoid it? Let's lean into it for a minute and think, what, what, could that lead to? What mm -hmm. could that mean? It, and, mm -hmm. and will it be okay? Yes, it will be okay. Um, and sadly, <laughs> or whether this is sad or this is comforting, mm -hmm. um, the place where an undergraduate is when they leave or when they're thinking about an, an internship doesn't go away. I was in that place every time I had to decide whether or not it was time to leave a job or leave an industry or, and so like, that's why I'm like, sadly, we know that throughout right, right. life, we're constantly in that place where we have to make that choice of what's next or what's best for me or what's this opportunity. Like that's just part of the game. Let me ask you a quick question. Cause I, th I you, you're giving us so much richness <laughs> here. I, what I'm thinking about, I think I'm going to extend this episode because normally we do 30 minutes, but you're giving us, such, such so many major gems. You got a book coming out. And also, um, you know, our students are looking for more content from us right now. So I, I'm going to extend this episode if you have the time that is. Sure, sure. Okay, perfect. Because uh, I, I always try to reserve extra in case it goes like this. So I'm really excited about what you're dropping on us. So now that I know that we can go there, I, I got a couple of other questions that came up that I just got to ask. So right. a second ago, you started talking about um, self-talk. Uh, mm -hmm. One of our consultants that we've worked with uh, here at the university told us at one time that he said it's so easy for us when we're doing self-talk for it to be negative most of the time because yeah. a lot of us feel like, okay, well, no, you, you didn't do well or you need to try harder or was that your best? Like, it's, he's, he said that, you know, it's so easy to default into that mindset of negative self-talk because we've given, we've grown comfortable with this notion that if I push myself or if I'm my hardest critic, right, then nobody else can be hard on me. What do you have to say to the folks who are trying to do that right now? And they're, resp and, and they're not getting the results that they hope to get uh, mm -hmm. by talking to themselves that way. What advice do you have for those people? I oh love man, them. I think the very first thing that comes to mind when you, when you talk about that is, would you talk to a friend who came to you that way? The mm. way that you're talking mm. to yourself, would you talk to other people or would you have more empathy and compassion and kindness? I think we do. And so if, if I, you know, shared with someone else what I was going through, what I was worried about, what, what I was fearful of, would they talk to me the way that I'm talking to me? Probably not. Uh, so does that really 
do us a service. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to be doing the self-talking, which often is echoes of other people in our lives talking to us, whether good or bad or whatever, um, we, we kind of embody that. And even sometimes people will say that it's like, I heard you in the back of my head when I started doing that, I heard you (laughs) like my coaches and my parents and my mentors, like I heard you. Um, but it's, it's so much easier to remember when it's the negative thing. Someone will tell you praises and wonderful things. And then we hone in on the one mm-hmm. bad thing that they said. Mm-hmm. And then we harp on that forever. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm a proponent of positive psychology. As you know, um, in particular, I use Clifton Strengths through yes. Gallup. Um, but there's so many different forms of of positive psychology. And so it's really about answering the question Don Clifton asked is, what if we focused on what is right with us? Yes. What if we focused on what is right with us? And so really, as you ask that question, that that's what it comes down to is how do we look and talk about what is working more than we talk about what's not working? So often when, I, when I'm coaching and I'm talking to students about preparing for interviews or just preparing for those decisions that are coming, I ask them a question of, okay, tell me something that you love about yourself. Tell me something that, you, it, what you're bringing to the team, what makes you, you special, what makes you good? And it's like, uh, uh, mm, uh, I don't know. And then I say, what's you know something that you need to improve on? What's a weakness that you have, a flaw? And it's like, blah, 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 blah. Mm-mm, we need to work on that. And so it's like, you know, being able to tap into what the Clifton Strengths does is allows us to identify some talents, some reoccurring feelings, behaviors, or thinking is essentially the talent. What things motivate you? What things do you just happen to have excellence in naturally? Uh, what things you just lose track of time because you're doing those things. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are those things and how can we lean into that more and affirm that more so that you can look in the mirror and instead of being like, these are all the things you're not doing, you can say, man, um, I give myself the, the permission to be great at this. Or, you know, like, man, I, um, I recognize that, that, I did well in this. Like, yes, it's the the philosophy around positive psychology isn't to ignore weakness, just to give it the attention in in a small pocket in in relation to how it's going to be useful to you. I love that. You pay attention to it. It's like, yes, I see these areas. I'm going to use that feedback and both and thinking and I did well here and, and I deserve recognition and celebration and for me to be appreciative mm-hmm. of this moment and, and also recognize those. Uh, and that'll help some of the self-talk. What, how do you flip what you're saying and make it into something positive instead of every day saying, this is what I'm not doing. Let's, especially in this time, what's that gratitude? You know, there's got to be something in my day that I'm thankful for. There's got to be something in my day that I did well. What's that? And if you continue to pay attention to what's going well Mm -hmm. and what you're doing well, then you might see a theme, just as we do with the weaknesses, we might see a theme that then I can say, well, this is the thing that I keep doing well. Maybe there's something there. Mm that I can lean into even more and continue to find opportunities to do those things mm-hmm. in the other places where I might be struggling. Wow. Okay. So a second ago, you started talking about um, Clifton strengths and on your website um, at the top, you say that you provide strengths-based leadership uh, and you help people realize and maximize their talents and potential. I want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit more uh, about Clifton strengths and all about how that, 
identifying talent and focusing on what's right. I want to give you the floor to kind of talk about this because, you know, I've had a chance to see your TED Talk. Uh, I've had a chance to see you do the uh, essay Speaks at NASPA a couple of years ago. Um, you've done the strengths-based facilitation for us uh, in UHD. And so uh, for everybody listening, basically what, what I'm doing is doing a shameless plug for my colleague <laughs> here. Um, if you're needing some trainings and some development, uh, around strengths, Shauna Sobers, Dr. Shauna T. Sobers is the person you want to go to. So I want to give you the floor to kind of talk about what led you down this pathway, but also what have you discovered and um, why we should spend more time focusing on developing our strengths and recognizing what our strengths are and how powerful that can be uh, when we do discover that and we learn that about the folks that we're working with. So I'm going to give you the floor on that. Oh man, well, thank you, thank you. Um, wow, those that was a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if I can I can tackle some of that. So how I got into strength was in my master's program at Azusa Pacific University in California. Uh, I had an opportunity, uh-huh, uh, took an opportunity um, to help there. They do every first year student takes the, the assessment. And then they do a, a semester long seminar on learning about their, their strengths. And then included in that is having a coach. And so I, um, was trained to sit one-on-one -on -one with a first-year student and talk about how they were going to use those strengths or really those talents to be able to pick courses, think about relationships, think about, you know, how to get involved on campus, really try to shift their lens and we talk, call it the strengths strengths based lens um yeah. to what's right what's working what's good you know, what do i do naturally what you know what's innate in me and already there but maybe held dormant or held down and and how do i bring that out more and and in in as many spaces and places that i can and doing that one-on-one -on -one work to really think because oftentimes people can't see themselves. They need a mirror to be reflected back onto them to be able to hear and see what they're good at. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what you do for me as well. Um, and so when I say something and you repeat it back to me, I'm like, wow, I said that. And you're like, yes, that's what I heard. <laughs> but sometimes because it's coming from me, I can't hear it. And that that's that's what we're talking about too with that self-talk is would you say that to someone if they said that to you? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes it's no. And so what's what's really hard about strengths is it's an assessment, at least the Gallup one, what's what's difficult. Some of the what I call the kryptonite of strengths is that um, it's an assessment. And so then people think that that's the end that I've taken it, it gave me my results, I read the results, I'm good. Put it on the shelf, check the box, yep. it's over. And that's not it. Um, that's only the beginning. What that assessment gives you are your talents, not your strength. It is your talents and then the journey of discovering and developing and honing it day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, is what eventually gets you to the strength. It's not, the results are not the strength. It's telling you what your potential is if you work on it. And then the problem that people face is, how do I work on it? What do I do? It's not rocket science. It's really just creating the space and the time to work with um, a coach or a peer or a mentor to just sit down and designate that time that you're going to focus on thinking about you and really investing in you um, and choosing to look at something through that framework. And so often, here's a specific example, like, and oftentimes people will come and they'll say, man, 
this person in my organization or in my class or my colleague, they are frustrating me. They are driving me crazy. Even at home, my mom come and say, my husband is driving me crazy. What do I do with him? (laughs) Right. And I'm like, okay, well tell me, you know, what, you know, what's the thing that's causing the conflict? So I'll use my mom as an example. Um, she's going to kill me for that. But hey, <laughs> she'll say, you know, he he goes in the store and he's walking up and down the aisle. He, you know, he has to look at everything, you know, oh, it's so annoying. And I was like, hmm, okay, let me think about this because he hasn't taken the assessment. I'm like, okay, it sounds like he might have the strength or the talent of deliberative where he's, you know, giving great care and intention to before he makes a decision, factoring in, taking in all of the information. So he's going to potentially be slow to coming to that decision. But once he makes that decision, it's going to be hard to move him on that decision because he's going to be able to come up with all of the different uh, reasons and rationales. He's read all the reviews. If you're like, you know, looking on the web, da, da, da. And so, but that perspective, that insight was able to allow her to see him from a different lens, see him from what he was bringing, not how he was frustrating her. And so it didn't stop being frustrating, but she (laughs) was able to allow him to be himself and to fully do that because she knew that that was going to benefit them both. So now she'll call and say, he's doing that deliberative thing again. What was that strength thing that you said that he had? He's doing that, but I'm leaving him alone. I'm letting him do it, you know? And so being able to understand not only yourself, but being able to understand others around you, whether or not they've taken the assessment, being able to see people from a positive lens, man, that person's frustrating me. Okay. What is it that they're doing? And maybe what's right with them? What are they doing that maybe I just don't maybe have that talent as as my top. So I don't naturally go to that place of thinking, feeling, or behaving but maybe I can learn from them. What can I learn from them? What, what's something that they're bringing to the table that I don't naturally think to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, because what strengths is about is saying, hey, this is, this is what I'm bringing to the table and it's special and unique. And not everyone thinks like me, acts like me, thinks to do what I do. And people don't know that. They don't realize that. They think everyone is thinking the same Um, And so this allows us to not only reflect positively on us, but reflect positively on everyone around us and every situation around us. If we just pause for a minute and think what's right or what's really happening that's good, Mm -hmm. um, it just shifts how we think, how we approach, how we feel about that particular situation. I got two more questions for you. One of them... And then I've got a request. (laughs) Um, (laughs) One of the questions that I have is, um, man, I got so much good stuff out of this because I'm literally over here taking notes. But because you know my strengths, that doesn't surprise you. You know my signature themes, rather. So that shouldn't surprise you that I'm over here writing all this down. Um, You talked earlier about communicating diversity. And one of the things that I find that students struggle with. When I used to work at Clemson, one of their learning goals for every student was that students had this thing called articulation, the ability to say this experience being an RA, this experience working the cash register uh, in the student union, or this experience working in the academic success center prepared me to be a nurse or Mm -hmm. an artist in these ways. But students struggle with this so much. And the thing that I've seen, whether it's interviewing RAs, whether it's interviewing student leaders at our uh, student leadership conference, I see this all the time and I'm seeing it more and more. How can we, let me ask one question so that I don't do like I did a second ago. How can we, through the lens of um, strengths, through the lens of um, focusing on what's right, how can we help our students better articulate and summarize these experiences and how they prepared them for whatever it is that's in front of them specifically, you know, not necessarily specifically. Let me just stop. Answer that question. (laughs) Ideation. 
I mean, we're opening up the world for a, a whole series of podcasts on um, how to use, how to use um, strengths in what you're talking about as transferable skills, right? Yes, how do you how do you talk about this one experience that I had and be able to take not the specific functions of hey I you know, let's take me working in the the performing arts center. I was an usher and I was a box office uh, coordinator and I, you know, staffed the box office. And then I moved to, to, you know, working the crew. I can just say that like, yep, I did these things. I did these jobs. um, And I can tell you what the job responsibilities are, but that the job responsibilities is what anyone can tell you if they did that particular job. What makes you special and you unique? And for me, I was able to look back and think, okay, what did I do in that job that no one else did? One, I created a manual <laughs> for all the ushers that mm-hmm. you're not surprised by that. I know. Not in the least. I created, I created a manual for all the ushers that collected all the history and put that. Okay, so. What led me to do that? Why, what is it about me that lends itself to creating things like that? It's my strength of significance, leaving a legacy and and a long lasting thing beyond me. It's Mm -hmm. my strength of discipline and creating structure. And so my mind just naturally goes to that where other people are like, wow, that's amazing. I'm like, I just, that like, wouldn't, wouldn't anyone? No. You know, that, that, that's the whole point, uh, is the, so Clifton Strengths gives you the top five, but the order is also important. And so when we think about trying to find someone else with the same top five in the same order mm-hmm. is one in 33 million. Wow. You are one in 33 million. You are so unique, so special. Someone else can have the same. I have Achiever top one. Someone can have Achiever and we can talk about it and talk about how we're using it and and in what ways. But no one's going to have Achiever and Learner and Harmony and Significance and Intellection. Those are my top five. Um, So what makes me unique and special in whatever work that I'm doing. And I'm always gonna bring me to the table. So if I can look not only on my tangible, transferable skills, but the talents that led me to do those skills, then in an interview, I can talk about how I'm able to you know, work with people for these specific reasons. I'm able to do tasks and be focused. I'm able to, and I'm like going down the list. I'm of like learner and achiever. So I'm look because I know myself through this, using this language, Yes, I can then talk about myself Mm -hmm. without feeling as though, um, I, I am being overly boastful or arrogant Mm -hmm. or, cause that's usually the fear and, and the, the resistance that people have to talking, talking about themselves, interviewing, they're feeling like, Oh, I, you know, I should be more humble. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like the interview is your chance to talk about yourself. Is is you marketing yourself. And so telling the truth and telling facts, this is what I did. This is, you know, who I am. This is how I do what I do um, and becoming more comfortable. How do you become more comfortable with something? Repetition, practice. Continue to do it. That's why the self-talk piece is so important. If you're not used to talking about yourself to yourself from a positive lens about things that you do well, then of course it's going to be hard when you're trying to do it in an interview or talking to other people. It's not something that you can just pick up and and do automatically. You have to work at it like anything else. And so this is a tool Strengths is a tool. It's not the end all be all. There's limits. There's flaws to it, certainly. Mm-hmm. But it's a tool that we can use to help build a muscle that we can see things from a positive lens, 
be be grateful for what we do bring and what we do offer, be able to articulate, you know, what excites us and what motivates us and what keeps us going so that when it comes time to being able to give the elevator speech or do the interview or whatever the case may be, it feels and is more natural. It's not going to just come at the drop of the hat. You need the coaching and development and the, the constant reminders to think in that framework. Mm-hmm. And that's what I provide. Perfect. So with that, um, thank you so much for uh, participating in this podcast and just dropping these major gems on us on today. Um, I, we, I'm, I'm feeling generous. One of the things that I think would be helpful, especially right now, thinking about our incoming freshman class, thinking about our uh, upcoming senior class and those students who are trying to navigate uncertainty, the, the ability to at least begin that conversation, to begin that journey of of self-discovery through strengths, through the lens of um, strengths. I think we need, I, I want to do something else. So I think one, we may need to have you back. But two, when I say I'm feeling generous, I think one thing that uh, if my boss was here, he would be pushing me to say, you know, we should buy some codes and we should try to find a way to offer those out to any student, faculty or staff member that might be listening to this podcast. So I may drop a link uh, when we upload the podcast. We may we may do that. And, you know, the first five to 10 people or whatever, we might do something But because I want to make sure that you can help kind of coach them. And obviously we would need to work out some logistics to do that. One, looking at your schedule and looking at your ability to be able to do that. But I want you to think about that as a possibility uh, because I I, I don't want to lose the momentum of this this conversation. I feel like this is going to, I feel like this is going to catch on. And right now, because we're looking at all the different ways we can serve our students and be there for them. To me, it just, it hit me like a ton of bricks a second ago. Like, why are we not? providing regular opportunities for this. Now, obviously we can't do it for all 50 plus thousand UT students and alumni and the millions of alumni out there, but you know, getting that conversation started and providing students an opportunity to at least engage with their signature themes in some way, shape, form or fashion, I think is gonna be important. So I'm definitely gonna um, be following back up with you to see yeah, what that looks absolutely. like. I think that's so important to not only get the codes. I like that you, because I was going to say, oh, um, not only get the codes, um, but also get get the little bit of the the coaching. um, And and it it can and does definitely help to do it individually. And if you're uh, thinking about your student organization or you're thinking about your department or your team, that's another way um, to get it. And to begin talking about it, I have done that, like you mentioned, at a couple uh, different uh, departments, yes. being able to, to do that. And also think about it, supervisors. Yes. That's been my focus uh, this past year, uh, is how, how do we begin to help develop our teams mm-hmm. um, as a supervisor? And really thinking about how to do that day to day. I would love to see, I'm going to just, I'm going to just drop this right here. I would love to see UT provide, you know, codes and opportunities for students, for every single UT student, for us to become a strengths-based campus, not by just giving the codes, by intentionally providing coaching opportunities to train the trainer, getting more certified people feeling comfortable talking about, advising people, um, and just using it as a lens at the school. A seminar on this, um, you know, training for advisors of student organizations, you know, uh, academy for captains of all athletic teams, like just really embracing this and holistically how we function and how we think about ourselves, uh, alumni things, et cetera. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna just put that out there, see where that goes. Um, and I wrote it down, so. I definitely know that I'm interested in being part of that, uh, that mission and that goal. Um, and if you're looking to reach out to me uh, specifically, you can follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Instagram or Twitter at Shauna T. Sobers. 
uh, you can find on my website, guess what, shaunatsobers.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there I have my blog. I have a link to purchase the, the book, Footprints of Success, my workshops, uh, the essay speaks and the TED talk you can find on the website as well. So definitely, uh, if something resonated with me, with you from what I said today, you know, tweet about it, share it, pass it on, um, and definitely connect with me and let me know so that you can be my mirror. Um, and I can know, um, how to continue to, to help folks in the future. Excellent. Thank you for this opportunity. Yes, thank you so much for coming on and we'll talk to you soon. Aloha, my name is Dr. Shauna T. Sobers. I invite you to purchase my first book, The Footprint of Success, Stories of Impact from Leaders and Entrepreneurs. The book is a collaboration of 13 authors and my chapter, Advancing to Leadership as a Person of Color, talks about my experiences as a black woman and a token as I navigate to leadership roles. I provide a framework to help others determine if they are or have been a token. And I share some steps you can take by using my resilience tree model to build up your personal fortitude. Don't miss it. Buy your copy today, signed by moi at shaunatysopers.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. To catch the next installment, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. This podcast was recorded and edited in collaboration with the LAITS Development Studios Audio Department. More information can be found at liberalarts.utexas.edu slash LAITS. The intro song was composed by Ian Herrera, and you can find his work at ianherrera.com. The outro song was composed by Noah Keller, and you can find more of his work at noahdkeller.com. We'll see you next time.